Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast, week one regular season edition. The Minnesota Vikings will open the season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm joined by Michael Rand and Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune. We got the band back together. Good to be back. Sorry for my lingering absence in August. It was, it was like a comedy of errors of um, probably like a little bit of vacation time. Plus, like it seemed like every Wednesday I had some other person who was like, I can do this, but only on this day. You're TJ Hawkinson. You don't practice when it's I don't not practice. No, I, I'm just. Uh, I know I got the ear. Ear infection's good. The back is fine. I didn't get a new contract, but I'm here anyway. We'll talk about uh, Sunday's opener uh, and get to some pressing matters that the Vikings still have, at least before the first game is played, with some more negotiations that are ongoing uh, between the Vikings and Justin Jefferson's camp. Uh, ben got a look at TJ Hawkinson's full contract, so we'll discuss that and all that that entails. And then we'll get to some, uh, I shouldn't mention the mailbag stuff. We have a new edition of the podcast that will come out Fridays with the mailbag answering your questions. So please send them to us via email, social media, x.com, wherever you social. So uh, let's Twitter. Start. It's, it's Twitter. Twitter. We still tweet. You can call it what it wants. It's still Twitter. I'm not going to call it that. It's Twitter. The artist formerly known as Twitter. I like that. Yeah. So let's start off with uh, the Vikings get TJ Hawkinson locked up under contract. We discussed that on the last podcast. Uh, the, the business keeps on ongoing, though, before um, they play their first game. Ben, you mentioned last time that that natural deadline to get Justin Jefferson signed before this year is Sunday, correct? Yes, or or at least this weekend, something before Sunday. And every indication that we have is that it looks on track to be done by this weekend. I mean, you have to get all of the the I's dotted and the T's crossed, but negotiations seem to be progressing with a pace that you would expect Justin Jefferson is probably celebrating a new deal before he goes out on the field Sunday against Tampa Bay. That would be my full expectation is that it is done by then and we'll see what it turns out to be. But the expectation I think would be that he is at least the highest paid receiver in the league in terms of average annual value, if not the highest paid non quarterback in the league, which would be Aaron Donald right now. So it sounds like it's pretty close then if you're expecting it to be done by Sunday. Yeah, I I do. I think the negotiations have gone productively, it sounds like, and I I think there is optimism from all of the camps that things will get done. And you know, it's possible it won't, but this is sort of the deadline for this year because he's not a free agent next year, and then they've got two more years that they could use the franchise tag if they needed to do it. So I think they have kind of looked at this as let's get it done by week one or we'll kind of table it for now and come back around later. And the the risk to doing that for Jefferson, of course, is if you go out Sunday and tear your ACL, you're not getting that big payday. So even if you want to do the thing of I'm going to bet on myself, I'm going to let the market continue to go up, I'm going to make even more money down the road. I mean, you could. But there is a lot of risk to doing that when you have not yet secured that really, really big contract as opposed to the only, well, big by most of the world standards, but only kind of big by NFL standards, rookie deal that he's currently on. So the fact that that deadline is there and and the way that negotiations have gone to this point, yes, I'm fully expecting something will get done uh, by this weekend. Mike, it sounds like the Vikings are starting 1-0. 
Well, yeah, I mean, they get to play Tampa, <laughs> and they get to play Tampa Bay, which we'll talk about, um, which <clears throat> doesn't seem to be a terribly Tampa Bay formidable opponent. But yeah, I mean, this thing with Jefferson just makes sense, right? You, from Jefferson's standpoint, you lock it, and it's not. I don't know how much higher he could go. Like he's already the best receiver in football. I think most people recognize that. You're showing up on a lot of these lists as like the number two player, regardless of position yep. behind Patrick Mahomes, like. He can only ascend so high. His value is probably not going to get – I can't imagine his value could get much higher than it already is, even if he has another predictably great season this year, even if he tops 2,000 yards, let's say, which would be an, you know, an incredible season. Like, he's already established his position. And, you know, and for the Vikings standpoint, you don't want to mess around, right? You don't want, you don't want this, like, lingering. Like, nothing Nothing probably will change. It will get. It would get done eventually no matter what, but – when you've got a player like that, um, as long as you believe in him and there's no <laughs> reason in any way, shape, or form why you wouldn't, you just want this resolved be- before before Sunday, I think. Yeah, and the numbers would be, um, if you mention highest paid receiver, that's at least over $30 million a year. Yep, Tyree Kill currently at four years, $120 million. And then if it's highest paid non-quarterback, that's $33 million a year? I don't think it's ish. quite that high. It's Aaron Donald at thirty one. And then two thirty-one and two thirds, basically okay. per year. So that's a lot of money. That's that's quarterback level money. Um, at least now, me, you know, mediocre quarterback level money. Yeah, in today's it's game. more than Cousins' initial contract. Yeah, yeah, it is abs- absolutely. And the Vikings playoff loss got Daniel Jones forty million a year. So yes, it did. <laughs> there's that. Um, but if the Vikings do that, there's going to be plenty of reason to celebrate at U.S. Bank Stadium beyond uh, what will be the debut of Brian Flores' defense against Baker Mayfield. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. And that company, but before um, we get into that game, I, I want to ask Ben as well about T.J. Hawkinson's deal. Um, we talked about that; that was marketed as he was the highest-paid tight end, but that's not quite accurate. It is only accurate if the <coughs> sticker price that gets <coughs> um, communicated when those things first get done is the number you're going off of. The sticker price is. Uh, four years, $68.5 million, which would have put him just above Darren Waller in terms of average annual value. So Darren Waller is $17 million. Hawkinson, with incentives, would be 17.125. So he would have gone just a half, half a million dollars over Waller, and then you split that over four years. That's where you get your average annual value. Without the incentives, and I have not seen the terms of the incentives yet, um, in the, the top-level view of the contract that I have been able to see, I don't see anything in there. I'm sure they're there, but without the incentives, it's four years, $66 million, which puts him at 16 and a half a year, which makes him number two in the league to Darren Waller. So Still doing okay. Still doing okay, but the way that those things get communicated when they are first done is done for a reason, and the people that communicate them do them for a reason. Uh, that's probably an after-hours version of this podcast, but you don't have to be that astute of an observer of the NFL 
and its media landscape to figure out what I mean. Uh, well, why is it significant that they added a dummy void year at the end of that deal? Yeah, so that is the most interesting piece of this, I think, in the sense that I, I haven't seen too many contracts before where the Vikings <clears throat> do an extension and add void years to the end of it. I, I mean, I guess they've done it with like Patrick Peterson, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, some free agents they've signed. But those are usually like shorter deals yeah. and older guys. Yes, yes. So a top-of-market deal with a void year in it already is basically saying we expect we are going to end up restructuring this thing at some point. Um, all of the guaranteed money in it, I believe, is in the first two years of the deal. He gets a signing bonus of, I think it was $18 million, and then base salary this year is guaranteed. Base salary next year is guaranteed. Uh, has his per-game roster bonuses, has his workout bonuses, all that stuff. Um, but that's the only sort of fully guaranteed money in the deal is two years of bases and the $18 million signing bonus. So by 2025, there is no guaranteed money in it. And even at that point, the Vikings would take on $10.8 million of guaranteed or of dead money if they cut him, but they would save 4.3. So if they got desperate in the cap, you could do that. And then by 2026, <clears throat> I think he has a vesting option for a little part of his base salary, like 2.3 million. But that's the year where the cap savings eclipse the dead money in in 2026. So, <clears throat> point of all this is you can see a scenario at that point. He's he's 29, 30 years old at that point of the contract, where the Vikings are saying, okay, um, either we are going to do a pay cut or we're going to release you. The other option is to say let's convert part of if he's still playing well. Because he probably still has to be playing well, I would think. But you'd say, let's take part of this base salary and convert it to a signing bonus, and then we could push a part of that bonus money into the void year to basically provide us cap space now, and then we'll worry about the rest of it later. So um, 2020, I'm trying to do the math here. If Say Justin Jefferson signs a four-year deal. Um, four years, hundred and. 28. Sure. That's yeah, my... that, I think it's a good... Yep, I think that's a pretty good estimation of what it could be. Um, so that would mean he is basically up by the time you're dealing with Hawkinson's void money anyway. So it's not going to be a problem. The cap's going to keep going up. And by that yeah. point, you have a younger quarterback. A new and, quarterback's on his rookie deal. Yeah, yeah. so none of that's going to be a problem. Poor, but Poor Kirk. We're already talking about him in the past. Well, Caleb but, Williams, rookie but, deal. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, but Kirk would be like 39 at that right. point. So it's right. not, we're not speaking ill of the, the old. No, I don't think so. Um, actually, 2028, he'd be 40. Younger than me. He's like yeah. a decade younger than yeah. me. So like, Yeah. <laughs> so he's not that old. Um. At any rate, yes, the fact they stuck a void year in here is fully because they are already looking at when are we going to need to deal with this deal down the road in a way that maybe helps cap-wise. So thought it was interesting they did that. Uh, tells you they're kind of thinking ahead on some of these things. And if Jefferson only does a four-year deal, what is he, 23 years he old He just now? turned 24. 24. Like his He's got to get another swing at it. His next contract could be awfully nice, too. Yep, like, yep. Because receivers don't age like running backs do. No. Like, his next deal could, you know, could be back at the table and he's 27 or 28, and that's 
Yeah. I, and I would, I mean, you could, you could structure it any number of ways. If he wanted to get more overall money than Devontae Adams, it would probably need to be a five-year deal to get yeah. there. But if I'm him, mm-hmm. I think I would do it as a four-year deal and say, let me get back in the market one more time. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're younger. You're yeah. This young, I mean, 28, I mean, that's when Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, I mean, they, those guys may have been 29 yeah. when they signed those deals. So if you're back on the market at 28 and it keeps going up, yeah, I'd. I think four years is is uh, probably the sweet spot for him. Yeah, it gives him the chance to reset it again. Yep, yep, which very possibly at that could. Point would be fifty million, maybe. Who knows? Very possible. Which you know, which brings me to another question. We can get on to some other stuff here in a minute, but like Jefferson resetting the market, I got no problem with that. And but like we're talking about like guys like Walner and Hawkinson, like not the best tight ends in the game very good tight ends but i would travis kelsey is the best tight end of the game yeah. i think and there's Those others. Are two top five tight ends though. yeah two top five tight ends i yeah. think but like here's my question like it it seems like the market gets reset whether the guy is the best one or not like it just seems like that that he's guy the next one he gets the next one and it keeps going up keeps going up it can't be a little bit less than the last guy what do we think about that like i feel like that's i don't know it doesn't seem it seems like it's good for the players eventually ultimately yeah, but it is. I don't know. I don't. Well, we saw that. that a quarter, bothers me. We saw it at quarterback. Didn't uh, Goff set the market at some point yes, at quarterback yeah. before you know the Mahomes and the Allens came up? Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, this this has happened at the premium positions, and now the premium passing positions are getting to do that as well at receiver at at because uh, like I guess uh, you could have your argument that Devontae or Tyreek or Jefferson are the best, right? I mean. It's kind of in that area, yeah. I guess. But we've seen that with, with certain positions, and now it's like the coveted positions of, of pass-catching tight end, receiver, and quarterback. Those are the guys that get to do it. And left tackle we should also mention yeah. because that's coming too yeah. for the Vikings. Yeah, and oh, by the way, who's going to be throwing all these people the ball? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that is the interesting thing here is that they are paying the receivers not knowing who the quarterback is going to be. T.J. Hawkinson – first or second however you want to spin it uh he's a high paid tight end in the league justin jefferson everyone would expect is going to be the highest paid receiver in the league by the weekend whenever this gets done you probably are in the neighborhood of 50 million dollars a year committed to the top two targets for an offense that does not have a quarterback signed beyond this season well, actually, they have one side beyond the season. His name is Jaron Hall. Yeah, um, quarterback of the future. They do not have one. the presumptive starter signed beyond this season. So it, it becomes really interesting. Do you – I mean, I, I've been curious what role that has played in these negotiations with these players. I, how much is Justin Jefferson asking, who's my quarterback going to be? Or is he saying, ah, money's here, we'll figure it out, right. don't care. Well, and whatever you think of Cousins, he got Jefferson and Hawkinson paid. Yes, like, he did. Hawkinson came here and caught yep. what six? I think it was seventy targets? passes or here. He caught. I think it was sixty. Sixty passes 60 here. Yes, passes on or seventy. However many targets, targets he had, yes. it was, yeah, it was. It was a lot. Yeah, yep. Kelsey's he's the only guy who caught more in that in that span. Like ten games, it was like a lot. And then Jefferson, obviously, like you know, wasn't there like a dust up like the first. Like his rookie season wasn't like when there was empty stadiums. Didn't he like swear and the throw the, the ball? Zone? Come on, Kirk! Like yeah. Yeah. something in the end zone. Throw the flag or throw the ball. Come throw on, yeah. throw the f and throw the ball. The ball. Like yeah, that. it was yeah, a, it f, was f Kirk. Throw the ball. Yeah, but you know, since then, and you wrote, um, I think it was you. I, I've been ready reading so much of our Vikings covers, but about all the contested catches he's had and yeah. how he had a lot year. of those. I mean, it's just it's Kirk is 
gotten those guys paid. So they probably mm-hmm. feel a certain allegiance to them, but they also probably are like you said, we got paid. We don't, you know, it's not immaterial who the quarterback is, but they probably feel like they can catch passes from anybody. Yeah, and if it becomes, I don't think they're going to be picking high enough to get Caleb Williams or Drake May, but no. if it becomes one of those players, I'm sure Justin Jefferson could get excited about that too. It is, it's going to be really interesting to see how this goes. It has, you know, Kurt, the Kirk Cousins take industry has been very profitable around here for a long time, and it will continue to be this year because he's a free agent after the year. And this idea of. I got my hand raised. Well, I, yes. I, I mean, there are many, many hands that can yes. be raised. And, and that's before he came here, too, frankly. I mean, it was that way in Washington, too. But, you know, it, it's sort of this thing of is this it? Yeah. Or not, they have not ruled out bringing him back. Yeah, and financially, I I was playing around with this a little bit the other day. I don't even think it's impossible to do it mm. because you sit here and mm. talk about here's what all these guys are going to be making. It's worth remembering they are doing these deals knowing at the very least Cousins has a twenty eight and a half million dollar cap number next year when he's not signed. Yeah. He's got that much void money on yeah. next year's cap. So the expectation is that we can fit Hawkinson, we can fit Jefferson, we can fit Christian Darasaw at some point, maybe not quite next year yet. He's Let's eligible see. after this season. Yes, he is. Um but maybe you go fifth year option, we'll see. But the expectation is they can make all of these things fit even with Cousins still on a big cap number next year. So the dead money thing, he's got all these void years to to shove the the signing bonus hits into each season. It's it's basically he's got, you know, a couple of years of old bonuses and a couple of years of, of new ones that amount to all of this dead money. If he's not here, twenty eight and a half million hit after this season. Twenty eight and a half million all hits next year if he's not here because yeah. all of that money sort of advances to. onto the cap. If you were to do a new deal with him, those void year dead money things become real cap hits, basically. So his old signing bonuses, he'd get a new one too, so yeah. you'd have that. But his old signing bonuses hit in yearly installments instead of all hitting at once. So, so that money's year, still accounted for. It's money's just, still accounted for. It just it would happen in multiple years, however long he signed, versus just the one. So it would be 10.25 of old money next year, plus whatever he would get in a new deal. And then if you make the base like, you know, a million dollars or a million two or whatever um, to work around the cap, you could figure that out. I, the question, I guess, would be how long do you want to be committed? But I don't think it's absolutely impossible that they would be able to say, okay, we signed Jefferson, we signed Hawkinson, we know that, but let's do some type of couple-of-year deal with Kirk. I don't think it's impossible. We talk so much about the cap, rightfully so, I mean, this this sport and the way they're able to work around it. Um, but the big question 
to me and all of us, obviously, is, is are the Wolves willing to shell out that cash? Yes. It's at least $40 million a year for Kirk yep. Cousins, at least, because, of again, Daniel Jones, the Vikings, got him paid. So with I got, <laughs> yeah. you got to keep mentioning that. Ed Donatel got, Ed Donatel got Daniel Jones paid and raised the floor for what Kirk Cousins wants. Daniel Jones is going to like the way they play. <laughs> so so will the Wolves... <laughs> That's a callback. Will the Wolves be willing to not only pay out for all these stars we're talking about on offense, but will they view this roster, this defense... Yep coming of age, will it be in a Super Bowl window that they say, yep, okay, we will then commit to two more years with Kirk or whatever it is, three more years yeah. from what Kirk was asking yeah. last offseason, um, to do that, and that's what, a hundred another hundred-plus million-dollar check that yeah. you're essentially signing on top of all these guys, whereas, Ben, you've reported that they they like the idea of getting a cost-effective, yes. talented, yep. young quarterback. Yes. This is, I mean – this is a really good point because that has been some of the tension here is that there is in a level of organizational intrigue, let's call it. Uh, I, I'm not saying that's from everybody. I'm not saying that everybody is like just all in on this, but there is some level of, Hey, if we got a rookie quarterback again, there's a cost advantage to that. And he has to be able to play. Right, he has to be able to play. That is the thing. Um, and that's where this gets really, really interesting because say they go, I don't know, nine, eight, nine and eight, ten and seven. I think all of us kind of have yeah. predicted pick, they're somewhere in that range. Yeah. I'm not going out on the limb this year. So they're not, in other words, they're not picking number one. Um, you now have a coach and a GM heading into year three at this point who have presumably, unless you're going to go nine and eight and make a deep run, uh, presumably not made a deep run yet. How much patience do they have or do they sense that ownership is going to have to say, let's start it all over and start with a young quarterback and develop that guy and see if it's going to work? Some GMs and coaches, I think, have used that to say, this buys us another four years because now we can tell right. ownership we've got to be patient. And this is an ownership group that has been patient. This is an also an ownership group that does not like rebuilds. No. So it makes it really... Interesting to see how this is all going to go. And if you're O'Connell and Quasi, and you are maybe on four-year contracts right yeah, now, I believe we, that's we think that's we right. Are. Like, yep. do you really want to go five and twelve in year three? I don't think so. I mean, that puts a lot of pressure on year four. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you really want to? Yeah, bring along a project quarterback or whatever at that. That's point. why this yeah. was the year to do it. But I digress. Yeah, yeah. I can see that point. I mean, and I and they certainly were really interested in moving up. They couldn't. One of they couldn't guys. because they were thirteen and four. They were too they, good last yep. year, even and though they weren't they that good. The second round pick, even for though they weren't that good for TJ Hawkins. Full circle, and so much of this depends on what happens this year, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Which starts Tampa Bay Sunday. <laughs> Thank you for the segue. Yeah, the Vikings it never stops being interesting. <laughs> it does not. The Vikings open the regular season against the uh, plucky Buccaneers. What would you no, even call them? The Tanking Buccaneers. The rebuilding. They, Baker Mayfield's their quarterback. Uh, yeah, their their social media post when they named him quarterback was "Let's get baked" or something like that. That's, I don't remember what it was. Is, is that legal there? I don't know. It's legal here. Anyway, I, I think with the Buccaneers coming in, they still got Mike Evans for now. They still got Chris Godwin. They still got a pretty talented group. And on defense, they've got Vita Vea, a guy who's going to challenge the Vikings' interior offensive line. Yeah. On the opposite side of things, they were able to keep one of their top. 
um, corners, and now the name escapes me, but he signed a big deal this offseason. I know he's still there because the Vikings were looking for corners in free agency, and they couldn't get a shot. At, is it Jamal Dean? I can't remember his name. But either way, the Buccaneers still have a lot of talent left over from the post-Tom Brady fallout that they've left him in, but they're clearly not – trying that hard when yes. they went into an offseason with Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask as their you know battle to take over the Tom Brady era they didn't really take any swing at trading for or acquiring anybody that could help them immediately they took the guy that frankly I think Kevin O'Connell is going to have a good in on and talking to Sean McVay about all the things Baker Mayfield likes and doesn't like after Baker Mayfield just spent the last half season with the Rams so those things all put together a game at home. Brian Flores, 10 years starting. Brian Flores not showing a whole lot in the preseason. I think it's coming up roses for the Vikings in week one just because of their matchup. What do you guys think? I would agree. I, I think this is a game that they will win. I think it's a game they should win. I tend to, and again, this is where the Stockholm Syndrome thing of being a beat writer may come in. So check me on this a little bit, but... I have been impressed with what the defense has done in camp, and I think they're going to be better than they were last year defensively, which may not be going on on a huge limb no. given where they ranked defensively. But yeah. I think they are going to bring a lot of different things. Uh, so one of the things in my Sunday story this week, um, the big game day profiles on yeah. Brian Flores, Yeah, uh, there's a section of that story talking – quite a bit about the Rams going to Miami in 2020. Um, now, this is Brian Flores' second year there, the first year that the Dolphins were really competitive. The Dolphins beat them so badly. I mean, it was 28-17, but that game, the Dolphins scored 28 points with like 145 yards of total offense. Jared Goff, PFF had him at five turnover-worthy plays in the game. I think there were, I think, some Rams estimates that had him even higher than that. It was just he didn't know where to go with the ball. None of the protection stuff worked. It was a lot of these, you know, engage the lineman, the tag pressures where you, you engage the lineman for a second, you drop back, somebody else comes free. Christian Wilkins drops into coverage, gets a pick. I mean, he, he had no concept of how to solve any of it. And one of the things that Wes Phillips talked about when I asked him about this game, after he uh, had a long sigh and finally, like, <laughs> was willing to talk about it because yeah. he was still so mad about it. It's like, dude, yeah. you won a Super Bowl since then. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Um, but he said all of the risk of this defense is not as much as you think because there are so many checks built into it that they can read and get out of things. You show it, you get out of it. It's not this like we're sending the house and if the quarterback gets the ball off, it's going to be a touchdown. He's like, it, it's not as it's not a crazy bunch of zero as you blitzes. think. It's right, the engage. zero blitzes are not true zero blitzes all the time. It's not engage eight. No, it's not <laughs> engage eight. I love engage eight on Madden, but it is not completely engage eight, no. Um, so I, I think they're going to throw some things that are going to be hard for Baker Mayfield. It is going to be really interesting. You mentioned Evans and Godwin, how these corners play on Sunday because we haven't seen them have to go against guys like Mike Evans yet. How much does a Caleb Evans – handle that matchup and what happens as a result of that, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. But I tend to think that the defense is going to be better than it was, and I think the defense will make enough plays to help uh, the Vikings win on Sunday. 
They kind of have to win, right? I mean, you don't want you're staring down yeah, 0 and 2. Yeah. Because you're going to <laughs> going to Philadelphia you don't in a short go into week. That meat grinder at 0 and 1. No, cuz but didn't they play Philly in week 2 last year in primetime? Yes. And yes. that was not a good game. No, it was funny because that they got way behind. Yeah. And then they had a couple of chances cuz the Eagles kept yes. letting them back in it and then Cousins threw a couple of really bad yeah. picks. But that was the game where Philadelphia just moved the ball up and down the field yep. in the first half and that was yeah. like the first whiff of eh, Dontel's defense and the players really like it. Yeah, there was are we, are we up on statute limitations on that one? Um, well, well, that was public. We, that was, no, no, that no, was no, Patrick Peterson. Wasn't it Patrick Peterson after the there's, game? There's, so what we can say and what is well known is that Vic Fangio spent a lot of time in Eagles training camp leading up yep. to that game yep. and in the building. It was essentially an assistant for them without being hired yes. and also knew very much what Ed Donatel liked and didn't like and ran and all these things because they spent 12 years together Correct. between three different stops. He was a defensive coordinator in Denver the year before he came to Minnesota. And what you were going to say, I'm guessing, is that there's a lot of people in the Vikings building who looked at that sideways yes <laughs> and just thought you know what i feel like yeah defensively the you know but the eagles didn't light it up they didn't put up a ton of points it was 21 right. 7 right yeah it was a couple it was of big 24 plays. 7 was the final i thought oh so a couple big plays including one that cam dancer just completely blew his yes. assignment on a quez watkins touchdown mm. um Not so anymore. yeah <laughs> so there was a lot of things going on in that game but this eagles offense is more fully formed more comfortable just as we talk about the vikings offense being more comfortable in year two under o'connell and you're right you don't want to drop this game and go to Philly on a short week uh, and have to deal with that. And I think the corner question is a big one because this is a great wide receiver duo still in Evans and Godwin. Yep. And seemingly the Buccaneers are going to want to spread things out. They've got the former Seahawks quarterbacks coach leading them um, as, as their offensive coordinator under Todd Bowles. That is kind of an offense that at least in Seattle, they like to spread things out and throw it. And I think the way the Bucks personnel is set up we're going to see the Vikings in a lot of nickel and dime the way we saw them in training camp. Yep. That means your outside corners, if they put three on the field, are going to be Evans and Makai Blackman, right. a rookie. Who have started a combined three games in the NFL. So, yeah, g- good luck right, right out of the yeah. gate. That, a lot yeah. of questions in the secondary this, this is year. going to be one where Flores' pressure schemes and systems are going to have to fluster Mayfield to really prevent those kind of downfield throws yep. that people are worried about on this young secondary um, and you got Byron Murphy in there who's going to be playing that nickel role, a guy who's handling a lot of those checks and relaying them from the safeties. That's going to help. But if you can just throw it one-on-one on the outside every time, that's the concern, right? Yes. And then eventually the concern I have with this defense is can they stop the run when they face a good running attack? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because it's still going to be potentially, at least on the depth chart, Brian Osamoa in the middle behind Kyrus, Kyrus Tonga, Dean Lowry, uh, Harrison Phillips, like that interior defense doesn't scare at least me, although I, I would be scared of any of those guys standing individually. But um, I just don't – there's a lot of questions about this, and I think the only one that's going to get answered for me is can Flores successfully dupe a, an inferior quarterback? Yeah, yeah, I think that is that is going to be a lot of what this comes down to. The, the run thing is – we're going to see that week two. If we don't say week one, we're certainly yeah. going to see that week two yep. in terms of how they're tested in that regard. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to prove, but I think the defense, one way or the other, will have a lot to say about how this one goes. 